What's up, Agents for Life? I'm glad you're with me. Welcome to Podcast 101, How to Sell Ice to an Eskimo. It's this uh, cliche phrase we've heard thrown around for years that, spoiler alert, (laughs) kind of bothers me because Eskimos probably don't need ice. I think the the phrase, that the idea behind it is to, you know, if you can sell anything to anyone. Well, that's the whole idea with sales. You see, I think somebody that truly believes they can sell ice to an Eskimo doesn't understand the nature and the true meaning of what sales should be. So if, if you were to say, I can sell ice to an Eskimo, my response would be, well, um, did the Eskimo need the ice? And if he didn't, then why would you sell it to him? You see, sales is about providing something to somebody that solves a problem that they have. Now, here's the thing, maybe the Eskimo doesn't want to carve out the ice, so maybe you have a process for helping him carve the ice so that he can get his igloo built faster. All right, we're kind of digging down way deep under the analogy, but you see the idea. Um, let's. I, I really wanna unpack some things about sales. That's what is the topic of this week's podcast because sales is what we do, but sales is not what you think it is. I mean, in a traditional sense, when when you ask 100 people, just consumers, what their thoughts are or maybe what their reaction is when they hear the word sales, you get a lot of negative feedback. And it's because the way we sell traditionally has not been the right approach. Um, you think of used car, you think of high pressure, you think of a negative experience, you think of buying something I don't need because someone guilted me or, f- or made me feel like I needed it. You think of manipulation, right? All these things, that's not what we do. We don't take part in any of that. Um, we're in sales, technically, because we're selling things. But we have to be careful with um, our approach because it's not the same. When we're when we're selling life insurance, it's not a tangible uh, commodity. Um, it's a totally emotional purchase, and it's uh, a service, a, a, a product that's not tangible that protects their family. So, it's it's not it, we can't because it's so near and dear to their hearts. We have to be as genuine and as real as possible. So. Um, appropriately named how to sell ice to an Eskimo. What I mean by that is not to go out and try and sell anything to anyone at any time. You don't want to be sitting, you don't want to be selling 100% of your appointments because 100% of the people you sit with don't truly need what we offer. Okay, most of them probably do in, in one sense or another, but I'm going to give you a couple of stories to illustrate my point. This week, um, I have two stories, two appointments that I sat on that um, that helped me understand even more the process and the power behind uh, what it truly means to to be a salesperson in a home. Okay. Um, and before I get into these, I, I really want to preface my comments on with this: um, don't project your judgment of what you think they should need on them. Let them tell you what they need. So go back to the title of the podcast. If you were sitting across from an Eskimo, and you might think to yourself, well, why would he need it? Well, maybe he does. You know, 
Maybe he does need ice. Maybe he wants to save time. Maybe he wants you to do something that... So you might go in there thinking, there's no way. Why would an Eskimo need ice, right? On the contrary, um, you might think that he desperately needs it and project that, and he really doesn't. So that's why we are consultants. That's why when we go into an appointment, our job is to ask questions. I did a podcast this, I think, on this um, two podcasts ago about asking questions. If you didn't get a chance, go back and listen to that. But questions are the key. The right questions worded the right way with the right tone at the right time are going to make all the difference in the world. So there's really two sales that are happening in any appointment. Either you're buying that they don't need it, the idea that they don't need it, or they're buying the idea that they do. One of those two things happens in every appointment. One of you buys an idea that it's needed or it's not needed. And hopefully, if you've done a good job as a sales consultant, you both arrive together at one of those two conclusions by the end of the conversation. Hopefully, you're not staying on opposite sides of the table the whole time, the proverbial table. So story number one was a virtual appointment that I ran yesterday. Um, the sweetest old lady, and I posted it in the chat. It was a morning appointment, and it was all virtual. So got her on the phone, and we started chatting, and I started unpacking her situation. And when I'm doing this, I'm looking for potential sales opportunities, not in a manipulative way, not in a way that I'm going to make something up, fabricate something so that it sounds good. It's not anything like that. It's I'm looking for potential pain. For her, even pain that she's not aware of, okay. And so I'm digging and I'm asking, and she's answering all these questions. I'm going through the underwriting sheet, and the the pain part, of course, is in the numbers up top, where the income is and so forth. And she has she has done pretty well. Her husband passed away recently, and he left her in a pretty good spot. Um, they have eight children, eight children, and. When I asked her about, you know, what happens to the home, she's in a reverse mortgage, so she's not worried about losing the home her herself. She's getting paid from the mortgage company, and I don't know a lot about reverse mortgages. I've, I've had a few conversations with folks, and I'm pr- probably going to do some more research down the road and talk more about selling to someone with a reverse mortgage. But in this case, she had a reverse mortgage and ended up putting a policy on her, and I'll tell you why and how. So my whole point as I'm looking at this, I, I said, well... You really don't need a lot of coverage. You've got, she, I think she has um, a good amount of assets in the bank. We're going to talk about you know, some advanced market stuff later. But um, her, her, you know, when she passes away, the kids will just sell the house. And so I, you know, I was thinking about the, um, the time period that the kids will need to you know, get the home on the market. That equity conservation strategy that you hear us talking about. I kind of went into that conversation a little bit. She's not overly concerned because she's got um, an annuity that'll pay out to the kids and some other things. And I said, well, that's that all sounds great. Um, in the meantime, there are some expenses that the kids will incur, taxes or other uh, you know, things that have to do with your final expenses, your funeral and all that stuff, um, that the kids will have to incur immediately after your death. And until they get to you know get to the, all the other assets start kicking in and paying out and so forth would it be nice for him to have just a small cushion 
of some liquid tax-free immediate death benefit to give them you know, a little bit of extra income for, uh, for whatever they need to help out. And so I'm just asking, I'm not suggesting or telling, but again, these are, I'm looking for, you know, potentially, because she was kind of on the fence all the time. She said, I don't know if I need this. She said that a few times. And I just threw that out. And I said, well, let's just look at some numbers. Would that be appropriate for us to just see if there's something here that, because she did want to see pricing. I'm really curious about pricing. So I went into it. I did a five, a 10, and a 15,000. I said, at her age, she was like 78. I said, I don't think you need more than that. But it would give the kids a little bit of, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so she um, she she was going back and forth on five or 10. She just wants a small policy. And it was like, you know, 60, 40, 60, $80 a month right in there. And she comes back to me. She says, it was, this is the interesting thing. And I've never heard this, but. She goes, what about 8,000? How much would 8,000 cost? I'm like, well, that's kind of weird, you know? Okay, you know, so I run the numbers, 8,000. She's like, I like that, let's do that. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So I start the application and I get to the part where the beneficiaries are and she has eight children and she goes, yep, I wanna give each one $1,000. That's why she picked 8,000. She wanted each kid to have $1,000 when she dies. Um, just to help out, not that that's her entire fortune, but that's, that's money to help them with, you know, if one of them needs to travel to a funeral or if they need to, um, any any type of expenses they may incur because of her death, travel expenses are on the list. I've talked about that a lot with people. Like if they need to fly to your funeral, would it be nice to have let them have a little bit of payout to help cover travel expenses? So it's not just about the mortgage and, and funeral. Sometimes we get boxed into thinking that way, but I backed it up in this appointment saying, there's, a, there's you know, tax, um, expenses could come from any one of many different directions. And this is just a way to help them with something immediate, tax-free, to, to, to soften that blow. And she loved the idea of having all eight children have $1,000. So she settled on a thousand or an $8,000 death benefit. So um, had I not done an appropriate amount of digging to settle on that and to find out what she was looking for, she probably, throughout the appointment, she was talking like, maybe she wouldn't be doing anything. Like, I'm just kind of looking, I'm just kind of curious and that kind of a thing. So it took asking extra questions for me to find out where a product would be that would solve a problem that maybe neither of us had had thought much about until we talked. And then the, the problem kind of surfaced. And then she's like, ah, yeah, now that, that does actually make sense. Here's another one, story number two. This was like three days ago. This was an older man. He's 85 years old. When I got there, I interrupted his um, trimming the trees in the backyard. This one was an in-person appointment. So he, here's an 85-year-old in the backyard trimming trees. Um, very in, in good shape. Um, his health is pretty good. Uh, he's just concerned about, you know, cost. So I'm going in and I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like 85 years old. It's going to be expensive. Even a $10,000 policy was 180 I think, or something like that, almost $200 a month. And, and so I'm thinking, you know, if he's got nothing, it might be worth it to him to put something in place. But if he already has some assets and things, then he is not going to like that. Um, so my first glance was like, gosh, why would, uh, you know, why is somebody going to want to, you know, that'd be way too expensive. It would be easy for me to just write that off and say, you know, he's never going to buy. He's 86, 85 years old. Have you ever gotten a lead that was like that? It's really, and you, you call him on the phone and they're sick. And, uh, and they're, they're, you know, and they're really 
old and you think to yourself, gosh, you know, I don't even know if I want to run this appointment. It's going to be really expensive. Most of these folks don't buy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you have to remember that a lot of people in their later years have assets. And a lot of times the sale isn't mortgage protection. Well, it's it's protecting their assets. Mortgage is one of them. But you can do that. And here's what I here's what I pitched or I I proposed to him was we can do this two different directions. We could go with um, a, a, a you know a product like that, life insurance product that will pay out. That's going to be an expensive way to go. But I see another opportunity here, and this was after I asked a lot of questions. Again, we have to ask a lot of questions. We're looking for gaps. We're looking for holes. We're looking for potential problems. We're looking for potential pain. And if you don't have clarity on what that is, keep asking the questions. Because if you move forward and pitch ideas or you pitch uh, a product price without having clarity on what the pain is and without them agreeing to that pain verbally and that and that potential solution to that problem, you're going to get a no or a think about it. So it's getting to that clarity that's the key. And I always ask for little... Um, check-ins along the way. Now, how's this feeling to you? Does that, is that right? Let me, let me just recap. So what I hear you saying is da, 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 da. Does that sound right? Am I on the right track? Does this feel important to you? Is this something that, um, would, would it be important to you to get some pricing on how to solve X, Y, Z? Those types of things to get buy-in all along the way. Because if you jump to conclusions and if you think to yourself, well, gosh, I would never do that. Like, I wouldn't pay that much for a life insurance policy, or um, that that that's way too low. I, they need more. Well, you're projecting your judgment on their situation. Never ever assume that how you feel about your your what you're presenting is how they would feel. They're in their situation. You're not. You're an outside observer looking in. But some people really value life insurance. I've talked to uh, six-figure income earners that balked at the idea of maybe a fifty or sixty-dollar monthly premium. I'm like, I wanted to just say, "Hey, dude, you make like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Like, why are you having to think about it and I'm shopping a price around and everything? We're talking about a forty-dollar month premium. Well, that's how they." judge it. And apparently in that appointment, I didn't build enough value. I don't know. But um, I've also talked to and been surprised by people that don't make much who are willing to spend more on life insurance because of how much they value it. So don't ever look at a, a price and go, well, I wouldn't pay that much and automatically assume that they would feel the same. You don't come to that conclusion other than by asking questions and let them tell you. Okay, so this is very, very important in the, in the sales process. So back to the story. This gentleman um, has about 60000 in the bank. So for me to sit there and ask, well, you know, you could get a $10,000 policy to help you. He's like, well, I've already got sixty. Why would I pay 200 bucks a month for a $10,000 policy when my sixty is like liquid cash just sitting there? Now, is it in the best place? No. It's at the bank and is not getting any interest and not growing, but he, she's got the equity conservation strategy in place. I can't even get him 60000 without writing like two or three policies. So it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even make any sense. Besides that, he's got uh, 401ks and he's got um, a big IRA. And any, anyways, so in my assessment, I want to get the whole picture 
I'm asking for income. I'm asking for insurance to help cover the gap. How much do you have? He didn't have any insurance, no life insurance. What else do you have that can act like life insurance? That's a really important question. That's where the annuity and the IUL conversations are going to be revealed. Okay, have to ask that question. What other assets do you have? Um, and I use the word assets when I ask that question. What other assets do you have? Because it gets them thinking about you know retirement and uh, 401ks and things like that. What other assets do you have that can pay out um, besides your life insurance? Or since you don't have any life insurance, what else can you have to, to understand or to, to help cover this? And so fortunately for him, he, he had pretty good assets. Now, his wife was in a wheelchair. Um, she was an amputee. She was missing a leg and felt really bad for her, but sweetest, sweetest lady. And so neither of them, she, she could get coverage, but um, it would have to be guaranteed issue. And so the whole thing, I'm looking around, I'm like, I can't get coverage on her that's going to make any sense because of how much money they already have in the bank and so forth. So the whole conversation shifted. I said, now we can do one of two directions. This was my summary. We can try and get life insurance coverage for a death benefit. And, but in my opinion, you're going to overpay and it's going to be a small payout compared to what you already have. And I don't, I don't think you really need that. So I think clients appreciate when we're 100% transparent. You know, If I'm sitting across from an Eskimo, I might be saying, you know what? I can sell you ice, but it looks like you got plenty of that in your backyard. What maybe you could use is a pick. I got this really cool ice pick, and that might help you with your ice, you see. So I'm finding out that he may not need ice. He's probably covered there, but he might need something else. There's other ways to solve the problem. So we are problem solvers, and we have to go into every appointment that way. And so when, uh, when I, when I pitch or propose to him two different solutions, one with life insurance, and we both kind of agreed that wasn't the right, the right direction, I said, option number two is we, we can do something better with the assets that you have here. And I didn't use the word annuity. Like I was trained at boot camp recently. Um, I talked about principles and the, um, and the way that it's set up. I talked about the benefits. And so I said, we could move some of this money into a situation where it's not going to lose. Okay, so it's only going to gain and you can't outlive your income. Well, he turns out he didn't want income. He just wants it to sit there and grow. And then when he passes away, have it have it pay out to his heirs. So um, anyways, long story short, it's a potential annuity. Um, and I'm going to be doing, um, you know, some running some numbers and we're getting back together on uh, early next week to do a follow up to, to talk about that. So my point in all this, I guess, and hopefully I've made it, but when you walk into a situation, don't come with any preconceived notions or judgments. It might be a small, a young person who wants a retirement plan. It might be an older person who needs an asset protected. It might be somebody middle-aged protecting their equity, just needs 10000 for funeral. Sometimes it's funeral costs. I have literally had people where in, during the appointment, they totaled up how much travel cost it would take for their son to come out and attend their funeral. You've got the airfare, you've got the hotel, you've got food, and we packaged it all up. Well, that's going to be about $2,500 or whatever it is. Okay, let's do a policy for $2,500. I just don't want my son to have to pay to come out to my funeral. So I'm just saying like there are a lot of different factors and a lot of different moving parts. Our job as salespeople is not to come in with preconceived notions and judgments. Our job is to come in with existing solutions and information and knowledge and questions 
that will bring those problems to the surface and then potential solutions to help them solve that problem not to try and make them buy something they didn't need like an Eskimo buying ice. So anyways, I hope that helps. Uh, go into your appointments with an open mind. You are a problem finder and a problem solver. Those are your two main jobs and you do that by asking tons of questions like I talked about before and just keep an open mind and see what's there in front of you. Do it, be logical. Imagine if you were them and try and try and put yourself in their shoes and then ask a ton of questions. Just be curious. If there's one trait I could ask that would help you more than anything in sales, and not that I'm this huge sales guru by any means, trust me, but I'm learning the more I'm good at this, the better my results have been. Be curious when you show up and just keep asking questions and find out and let them volunteer to you what they're needing. And from there, the sale is easy because you're just providing a solution. And they've already stated what the problem is. And so this is why wouldn't they want a solution? So anyways, thank you for listening. Have an awesome, awesome day and a good week. Um, get out there. Get after it. If you haven't hit it hard yet um, with your dials and if you're stuck or stumped or you're, you're struggling with anything, um, anything you need, you know I'm here. So please reach out. Happy to help. Love all of you. Thanks for listening. Make it an awesome week. We've got... Um, we got two and a, well, 10 weeks till the end of the year. So what are you going to do with those 10? By the end of Jan, by the end of December, you're going to look back from this day and say, I either, boom, killed it. Or gosh, I, I could have worked harder. And I, I think I, I left some, you know, a bunch of sales on the table by not working as hard as I could have. So let's don't look back and have that second one. This is a good time of year. People are giving, they're thinking about their families. Let's get out and take advantage of it and write a whole bunch of business and protect a lot of families and, uh, and do it by being smart salespeople. Love you all and have a good day. Bye.